Well, we're continuing in this series called The Upside Down Kingdom, and it's a picture of what Jesus did when he came, that he took the assumptions, uh, he took some, uh, uh, the life of people who were the religious leaders of the time, uh, people who were supposed to be in charge, and he turned everything upside down. He challenged them to really think about their lives, to think about uh, what they did, what they believed, and, and, uh, and in effect, turned it all upside down, challenging us to look at our lives. And we've been doing that through uh, following the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the teachings of Jesus. I had somebody tell me uh, recently that they, um, you know, that if Jesus would just speak audibly to them, then they would, they'd, they'd obey, you know, they would do it. And, and so my response is, if, if you want Jesus to speak audibly to you, uh, read the Sermon on the Mount out loud, uh, because those are the words of Jesus. And he's speaking to us through his word. Uh, it's the word of God and it's the words of Jesus and they're for us to listen. Uh, they're for us to transform us and to challenge us to obey. And so we're in the Sermon on the Mount and as we uh, prepare ourselves, I wanted to start us off this morning with, um, with just five parts, of f- five parts of who I am and, and I would argue five parts of me who you are. Uh, the, the first one is this, uh, the part of myself that I know and like and let people see. You know that part of you? Uh, the part that, of yourself that you know and you kind of like that about yourself and you want to lead with that. Uh, that. That's the part of yourself that you want everybody to see and everybody to know and they appreciate that and applaud that and, and that's the good part, right? And the second one is the, uh, the part of myself that I know and dislike and, and try to keep others from seeing. So I've got that part of my life that I like and I want people to see and then I've got this other part of my life that I don't like so much and I don't want people to see it and, and so I kind of find myself in this challenge of, of image management. You know, here's what I want to lead with. Here's what I want people to see. But I'm not so sure I want them to see this part of me. And there's a third one. Uh, that's the part of myself that I do not know, but my wife and my close friends know. And, um, and then we'll feel free to tell me. But that's uh, another part of my life. And then the, the fourth one is the part of myself that neither I or my wife and my close friends know, but God knows. And uh, that's an important part uh, of my life. And then the last one is simply the part of myself that only God and I know. And we find ourselves kind of broken into those five parts, and Jesus is going to get at those parts of us uh, this morning in this part, this section uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 6 again. Uh, uh, Troy started us off uh, last week talking primarily about prayer, but to, to round this out, I'm going to read the first four verses again because they really launch all of the discussions that happen through chapter six. And so join me as we read, uh, as I read Matthew six, verses one to four. It says this, uh, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That part of myself that I like and I want everybody to see. Um, Beware practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, 
Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I just want to stop for a second. Troy mentioned this last week. The very first word is beware. This is Jesus speaking to us. And Jesus says, beware, I'm giving you a warning. Here's something that I want you to pay attention to. This is something I want you to, uh, to be careful about. And then he continues to say, beware of practicing your righteousness, your good deeds, your good things, Uh, before others in order to be seen by them. So apparently what was happening is that the religious leaders of the time were practicing their righteousness, their good deeds, but they weren't doing them because they wanted to honor God. They were doing them because it looked good to do them. They were doing them for the applause of the people that saw them. And so here's what happens is that the religious leaders, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, they kept the law. They started out to honor God, but somewhere along the way, people began to, to respect them and acknowledge them. And all of a sudden, they're not doing it anymore to honor God, but they're doing it in order for everybody to see them. They're doing it for the applause of other people. And suddenly what started out to be for the Lord, what started out to honor God is now being done to honor themselves. And Jesus is saying, beware, because that can happen to all of us. You know, we have this old saying that we use sometimes that uh, you serve God, it looks good to serve God, you're serving yourself. And that's what happens to us, that, that we set out to serve God and suddenly we find that it looks good to serve God and the next thing we know, we're serving ourselves. And this is what had happened to the religious leaders. And here's what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus says, beware when that happens because then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, now what's really interesting about that is that, that Jesus acknowledges the fact that when we live a righteous life, when we honor God, there's a reward. What he's saying to the religious leaders at the time is that you've already gotten your reward. That applause from people, that the cheers from people, that recognition, that's your reward. That's what you get. But if you live a life to honor God, if you live a life to honor Christ, then you have a different reward. Now, he doesn't exactly tell us what that reward is here, but he gives us some hints earlier on. Remember when we started with the um, with the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty good reward. Uh, blessed uh, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's a good reward. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And he goes on. And those are the kinds of rewards that he's talking about. But what he doesn't say in here is, I'm going to let you pick the reward that you want. I, I don't know that I would be very good at picking. I don't know that I would make very good decisions if I got to pick the rewards. But here's what, the, here's what Christ is telling them, is that I am, I am storing up treasures for you. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to be the one who rewards you. Do you trust me with that? Uh, our, our oldest son, Caleb, uh, it, he's a pastor, and he was speaking the other day, and he actually called me up because he wanted to check out a family story before he shared it. Now, this is kind of unusual because usually he just tells the story the best he remembers it, and, and then I'll listen to his podcast and call him up and say, do you really want to know how that happened? Because you got it wrong. And, and then he'll, he'll say something like, well, 
Dad, would it change the sermon? I said, well, not really. Then I'm good. I don't even care how it happened. You know. so, um, so memory is sort of interesting, right? But, uh, but he called me up to specifically ask me uh, about uh, something, and he wanted to talk about his grandpa. And uh, my father was a pastor, assembly guy pastor, and, and uh, in his pastoring days, uh, he never made very much money. In, in 50 years of being a pastor, he never made over $50,000 in one year. Um, when, one time when he, my, my mom and he were young and, and starting out, they, they, he spoke at a church and they didn't have in, any money to pay him, so they paid him with a 100-pound sack of pinto beans. And he and my mom lived a month off of that. Uh, he, he used to laugh about how she learned to make uh, all kinds of exotic things out of pinto beans. And, um, uh, and l- later on, uh, we would ha- have interesting experiences just because we didn't have any money. And I, I've, uh, she would, uh, my mom learned to cook hot dogs like a thousand different ways, right? And we would have hot dogs with beans and hot dogs with sauerkraut and hot dogs with this and that. And, and we, she just had, because hot dogs were cheap and there were, you know, four kids and we ate a lot. We liked to eat a lot. And, and uh, so she figured out how to make ends meet. And so he never had any of the rewards that we would typically think of rewards. He never had uh, the financial rewards that we would typically think that we would have or, or the material things that we typically think uh, we would have. But here's what my son Caleb was thinking about. He said, all 11 of my dad's grandkids are following Jesus, all of them. And half of them are pastors. Half of them are in full-time ministry, uh, uh, serving the Lord that way. And, and that, so when you think about reward, think about it this way. Okay, a lot of money and stuff. Grandkids, a legacy of grandkids who follow Jesus and serve in ministry. What would, you take? what would you take? Which one would you pick? Would you trade anything for, for all of the financial stuff? Would you trade anything for all of the material things that you could get around yourself? Would you trade anything that, but to know that, that your, all your grandkids love Jesus and all your grandkids were serving and doing good things in their lives? He got the reward that he really wanted. He may not have always realized it at the time, but he got the one that was really important. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, if you follow me, if you trust me, the reward I give you is the one that you really want. You may not know it at the moment, you may not realize it at the time, but it's the one that you really long for, it's the one that really matters, and that's what Jesus is trying to help us to understand through this. And, and so uh, he says in verse two, thus when you give to the needy, now that's sort of interesting because he doesn't say, if you ever decide to give to someone who's in need, then this is what happens. <laughs> he said, when you give to the needy, you see the assumption is that we're all gonna give to the needy, that we're all gonna serve in that way, that we're all gonna find people or when we see somebody who is in need, that we're all gonna respond to that. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, if you ever feel like it if, or, or you know, if you ever think about it, he's saying, when you do this, because we're all called to do that. We're all called to be part of that, that when somebody is in need, we're called to respond, that that's a given, that's part of our life, that's what Jesus wanting us to get after here. He's saying, when you give to the needy, don't make a big deal out of it, don't, don't look for the fanfare, don't look for all the notice, but give uh, out of a heart for Christ. He said, don't do it as the hypocrites do. Now, hypocrites is an interesting word, Jesus uses it 19 times in the Gospels. And when we were talking about hypocrites, originally uh, hypocrites uh, w- w- referred to an actor. 
Someone who might paint their face or someone who might wear a mask and they're playing a part. It's not really who they are, but they're simply playing a part. This is who I, uh, you know, I'm portraying uh, somebody else. So it's not really them. But the word hypocrites also got really complicated later on because it came to be known as a, uh, to stand for a critic, uh, hypocrite, get it? A critic who criticized everybody but themselves. Uh, that they were critical of everyone but themselves. They didn't see their need. They didn't see their problem. Uh, it, it talks about a person that's become so deceitful that they don't even recognize the fact that they're deceitful anymore. They don't see it. Uh, it it's the, the thing that, that I don't know about myself, but my spouse and a couple of close friends might know that, that we've been living in that deceit for so long, fooling myself for so long that I don't even realize that that's going on in my life. And Jesus is getting to that. He says, don't live your life like them don't live your life that way but when you give to the needy don't make a big deal out of it because you've already received your reward but when you give to the needy don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret as your father uh, who sees in secret will reward you so he's challenging us about um Uh, how we can do the right things in secret to liberate ourselves from the need for other people's approval. Not to do it for their approval, but to do it for the approval uh, of Christ. And he's reminding us that 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 we're to live. That's how he's calling us to live our lives. You see, here's what Jesus did, that God in heaven loved us so much that, that Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that he sent his son to die on a cross. And out of response to that, we say, Lord, how do you want me to live? How do I live my life in response to your love for me? How do I live my life as a response to what you've done for me? And Jesus is saying, it's not about living my life so that others might see me and think that I'm some great spiritual person, see me and applaud me, see me and and give me great recognition, but it's how do I live my life as a response to what you've done in my life? to what you've given me. So in essence, we live our lives for Christ. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to this morning. That's the life that he wants us to live. Not a life that's sort of caught up in what other people think of us. Not a life that's caught up in their approval and the recognition, but a life that is lived to honor Jesus. To live our lives for him, to be all in. That's what he's looking for. It's important to note too that the crowd that day, uh, remember Jesus is on the mountainside and a huge crowd, the disciples get right around him and then there's a huge crowd all around him and he's speaking to them. And most of the people that were on that mountain that day were poor. They were poor people. And Jesus is saying, you know what, this isn't about who has wealth and who doesn't have wealth. This is about your heart. This is about not doing your deeds for approval of other people and for the applause and for the recognition, but to do it out of love for Christ. He's saying it's not about getting other people's approval. It's not about those things. It isn't about you can be poor and still completely miss it on this side because it's all about our heart and how our heart is turned to Jesus. So there's a connection between our intentions and the results that we get. 
And the, the Pharisees and the scribes would time their gifts to the trumpet announcing worship in the temple. Uh, they would do it so they could get the maximum recognition. And Jesus is saying we do it because it honors him. We do it because our lives belong to him. That's uh, what Jesus is looking at. And then he continues on in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth uh, nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. In verse 21, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I read a true story about a man. Uh, he, was, he was an elderly man, and he was just about to pass away, and he handed two envelopes to his family. And the first envelope was to be opened uh, at the point of his death, and the second envelope was supposed to be opened 30 days after he passed away. In uh, the first, so he passed away, and apparently he was a, a billionaire. And so the first part was his last will and testament, and and it had how his money and all the you know things resources were supposed to be distributed. But then there was also another request that he put uh, in his will, and it was that he had a favorite pair of socks, and they were his favorite socks, and they had this pattern, this design on them, and he wanted to be buried in his favorite socks. Well, they took this request to the rabbi and, and it, it violated s some rule or something. And, and the rabbi said, no, he can't be buried in his socks. And so this man, this billionaire man had to be buried without his socks. 30 days later, they opened the second envelope and there was a little piece of paper in it. And all it said on that little piece of paper is, by now you've figured out that you can't even take your socks with you. And what he wanted his family to understand is that you don't get to take any of it with you. That you leave it all here. That at the end of the day, it's all going to rust. It's all going to burn. It's all going to get destroyed. So what really matters? What do we really take with us? What is the legacy? Where are our treasures? Because this is what Jesus says in the end. That where your treasures are, that's where your heart will be. And so he's calling us to evaluate one of two things, right? He's either calling us to evaluate our treasures and what we hold on to and, and what we treasure. And a treasure uh, in this context is simply something that we consider really valuable. It, it might be money, but it might be something else. And he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to know what's the condition of your heart, look at what you treasure. Look at what matters to you. And that'll tell you where your heart is. And Jesus is wanting to us to take a good look at our heart and to understand where it is, where our heart is. And he says, you want to know it's what you treasure. Look at what you treasure. Look at what you hold on to. Look at what you're clinging to as tightly as you can. And, and you know, there are some good things to treasure, right? I mean, Jesus, you know, quoted Genesis 2, uh, where he said, and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and he'll hold fast He'll cleave, he'll hold fast to his wife, uh, that we're supposed to treasure our spouses, that that's, that's something that Christ has called us to do, that's important to us. But there are other things that at the end of the day really don't matter. And Jesus said, if you want to know where your heart is, then look at what you treasure. Take a good, hard look at that, and that'll tell you. So maybe the first question this morning is, where's your heart? 
And it's not that hard to figure out if you just look at what you treasure. Well, he continues. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and your possessions and your material things. You can only serve one master. Now, now the uh, verse... um, Verse uh, 22 talks about the eye. And, and here, here, here's one of the things that he's saying to us is that we, that we may have an eye problem. Uh, we may have an eye problem. You see, we might see things that we really think we want, we really need, they're really important. Uh, we might see things that other people have and we really think that we need those, and we begin to see things, and and we begin to get out of perspective, because sometimes if we really want to spiritualize it, we can say, Lord, why did you give them that and not me? Uh, Do you like them better than than, than you're blessing them, or you're doing something for them, and I'm not getting it, because we're we're gauging it, we're basing it on what we can see, and, and we have an eye problem. We're looking at things, we're looking at other people, we're looking at what someone else has, and we're not looking at our own heart, and how Christ is, what he's done for us and we're not looking at how he wants to reward us and what really matters to him and subsequently we we have an eye problem we don't have a reward problem (laughs) we have an eye problem it could be a, a a real eye or it could be the eye that we see with but we have an eye problem and we start sliding into where we're the center of the universe and not the Lord. He wants us to look at that. He says, don't lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Another way you could translate that is do not, um, is stop laying up for yourselves treasures. That take a good look at where your treasures are and begin to invest in things that really matter. Begin to invest in things that are eternal, that blesses others, that honors uh, the Lord. Uh, uh, some of what he's talking about here is greed, and, and greed is really different from other sins in our lives. You know, we, we read um, before, we read, you know, the, in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, uh, Jesus said, you may have heard, do not commit adultery, but I say whoever looks at a woman with lust in his heart, you know, done the same as committing that uh, adultery, and, and um, ad- adultery is one of those sins that you sort of know about, right? Um, somebody doesn't, I've never had somebody come to me and say oh, I was committing adultery and then all of a sudden I looked up and I thought, oh, you're not my wife. That's never happened, okay? Seriously, at nine o'clock they thought that was awesome. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Come on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's never happened. But greed, we get greedy, we get our eyes on other things, we get focused on other things, and we don't even realize it, but we become self-centered and greedy and we don't see it in ourselves. That maybe somebody close to us sees it, but here's one thing I wanna promise you, is that God sees it. He's not missing that. He sees where our treasures are. He sees where our heart is. He sees where uh, we've gotten greedy. And he's calling us, he's challenging us out of it. 
The last thing that he says is that you can only serve one master. You, you can't serve God in money. You can't serve God in material things. You can't serve God in the applause of other people. You can only serve one master. And so the question this morning, maybe the second question that we need to ask ourselves is who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve Christ? Am I going to acknowledge what he's done for, my, for me? Am I going to give my life to him? Am I going to commit myself to him and, and set my course in my life to serve him, to keep my eyes on him, to keep my focus on Christ? Who are you going to serve this morning? Jesus is teaching us more about what it means to be salt and light. And salt doesn't point to itself, but it brings out the flavor in something else. Light doesn't shine for its own sake, but it shines so that people can see in the darkness, so that people in darkness can be exposed to the light, can find their way home. 1 John 3.18 says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here's what Jesus wants us to understand this morning that we can talk about it all day, but what are we doing about it? How are we serving? You know, I love the North Cares projects uh, that that we do, and to be able to go someplace to a 100-year-old woman's house, for goodness sakes, and just go in the name of Jesus and serve her and do something for her that she could have never done on her own. I mean, that's sort of a holy moment, and we don't ask people to come to our church after that. We don't ask people to do anything. We just simply go in the name of Jesus and serve uh, because that's what Jesus would do. That's what he calls to do, and then we let him take care of the reward. Uh, I mean, if you go and do a project, you, you get rewarded just knowing that you've done something that's right. But, but the Lord takes care of all of that, We don't have to figure that out, but we can trust him. Over the holidays, we're going to create some opportunities, you know, like the um, uh, Feed My Starving Children. We'll do that in December. Uh, We'll do this uh, Operation Christmas Child uh, this month. We'll do our uh, food drive uh, this month to help families. We'll have some other opportunities December. And and, and we provide all of those because it helps us to, when we make those decisions, uh, we're, we're making decisions about where our treasures are going to be, what's really going to matter in our lives. And every time we participate in something like that, it's reminding us that our treasures aren't here. They're not for our, us to store up. They're not for us to get for ourselves, but they belong to Jesus. And it's how can I serve him? What can I store up? What can I treasure for eternity? What can I uh, do to honor Christ, to keep my life focused on him? And so we provide those things. And we're going to do quite a bit. But the reason that we do quite a bit is because we have a lot of people here that need to do something that need a a reminder uh, of what the holidays are about, need a reminder of what Christ has called us to be and and who he's called us to be. And so we try to create opportunities for us to be reminded of that because it really does matter. And so when we think about treasures this morning, I have uh, five little investments that I would like to encourage you to think about. I'm really not very good at investments, but I thought of five for us this morning. Here's the first one. Invest in your relationship with Christ. First and foremost, invest in your relationship with Christ. What does that mean? How, how, do I, um, how, how do I set my day to serve him? How do I keep my eyes focused on Christ? You know, um, every, every day of my life, one of the things that I pray 
is the great commandment. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I, I pray every day, Lord, I wanna love you with everything that I have today. I wanna be all in. I wanna love you with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. That's how I wanna live this day for you. And then the second one, um, he said, okay, if you wanna know how to do this, here's how you do it. You love your neighbors yourself. And on that one, I say, Lord, please help me because I'm not that good at it. Lord, please help me to love my neighbor as myself. Please help me to love my neighbor as you love my neighbor. Give me the strength to do that but invest in your relationship with Christ. The, the second one is invest in your most important relationships. How are you investing in the most important relationships that you have? What, what are you doing to val- value them? What are you giving of yourself uh, to those critical key relationships in your life? The third one is invest in the lives of those around you. Who has God put in your life? Uh, frankly, who is in your life that needs to know about Jesus, that needs to be invited to the Christmas festival or to something, but how are you investing in the lives of those around you? Is there anybody that's not as far along as you are in life that you could come alongside and be a mentor or a coach and, and support them and help them? Who are you investing in in your life? Because if you're not investing in, in anybody, then you're probably just investing in yourself. And pretty soon we, we get selfish when we do that. We get self-centered when we do that. Give your life away to some other people. The fourth one is invest in the lives of those in need. And, and that's what we try to be a reminder and a, and a help. How do we invest in the need? Because Jesus said, when you do that, not if you do that, but it's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that we serve those, we love those who Jesus loves, we serve those who are in need, And then the last one is invest your resources in eternal options. Invest your resources in things that matter for the kingdom, that matter for eternity. Not things that will rust and decay or could be stolen, but things that God can use for his kingdom, that can be used for his glory, uh, that can be used to honor him. And and so how are you investing uh, your life? That doesn't mean that other investments that you have aren't of value. It just means that they need to be in perspective, that's all. Um, it, It doesn't mean you're a bad person if you've got a great investment portfolio, that's fine. It just means to keep it all in perspective. Who would Jesus have you to be? Who would the Lord have you to be? What would he want your focus to be on? What would he want you to treasure this morning? Uh, We're gonna uh, respond to the word of the Lord this morning with our offering. And uh, when we take an offering at North, I'm gonna ask ushers can come forward, but when we take an offering at North, uh, it's really an opportunity to be reminded uh, that all of the things that we have belong to the Lord. And so we're giving back a portion of what God's done for us. And, and we do it uh, in a way, we do it in lots of ways. We do it in North Cares projects, but we also do it by writing checks or, or giving resources because we know that, that when we do that, we're helping families in need. We're serving widows and orphans. You know, one of our goals at North as we continue to grow and mature as a church that, that we want 50% of the money that comes in to go, that go, to go out to serve people in need, to serve in missions, uh, the Sembedi Orphanage in Tanzania, uh, the 
the home for girls in Ecuador that have been, uh, that have been rescued from the, slave, from the sex slave trade uh, there. We've got a young couple, A.T. And, and Crystal Holder, who are there right now uh, building a home for those girls, building a place for them to be safe. Uh, they were telling us that it's getting a little bit risky um, right now and, and, that, and they were reminding us to pray for them. Uh, but uh, that's what they're doing and we get to participate in that. We, we get to be reminded what, of who God's called us to be and what he's called us to do. So uh, we, we've got to continue to be faithful to those things. And when we give an offering, we're not just writing a check, we're not just giving uh, because that's what we do every Sunday in church, but we're doing it so that those, the work of the Lord can go forward. We love keeping the lights on, you know, we love keeping the, uh, you know, all of those things going, but what we really love to do is serve. And we believe that's what God's calls to do and that's what we get to participate in together. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, uh, for the great reminder uh, and the challenge of where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us this morning. I also ask that you would bless uh, those who can give and those who can't. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would multiply these gifts for use in your kingdom. Uh, that we might be faithful stewards of what you've given us. So Lord, we thank you for all of this. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen.